Hey everybody, welcome to episode 14 of the For the Love of Data podcast. I'm your host Robert Furr and today we're going to be talking about allergies. This is For the Love of Allergies. We're going to go over what an allergy is, who's affected, um, the costs of it, the different types of allergies and some of the treatments. And this particular issue hits home to me because my daughter, she's um, seven right now and every year she has an incredibly tough time during the season. Um, she gets breakouts, she gets coughs, her skin gets irritated, uh, and it's almost to the point where we have to keep her inside at recess at school, and uh, we can't enjoy any of the good patio weather that we get in Dallas at this time of year. So I wanted to take a deep dive and learn about some of the uh, the causes of this and, and some of the history behind it. So uh, let's dive into things. First off, I want to tell you exactly what the definition of allergies are. Um, it's when your immune system reacts to a foreign substance called an allergen. It can be something that you eat, inhale into your lungs, inject into your body, or touch. And mild reactions are coughing, sneezing, itchy eyes, a runny nose, a scratchy throat. But in severe cases, you can get rashes, hives, low blood pressure, breathing trouble, asthma attacks, and even death. And there's no cure for allergies. That's the unfortunate thing. You can manage them with prevention, with treatment like shots. Um, but more Americans than ever say they suffer from allergies. And it's the country's most common but overlooked disease. Um, so I'm going to start going through some statistics here. Um, there are a lot of great statistics from a lot of different sites. So if you look at the show notes, um, there are sort of a coalescence of uh, a bunch of different sources. And, and a lot of the statistics overlap. So I've got all the sources linked in the show notes. Um, go check that out, leave a comment, and, and um, let me know what you think there. Um, so first off, let's take a look at who's affected by allergies. And the stats on this are pretty surprising. Um, if you take a look at homes in the U.S., about 50% of them have at least six detectable allergens present in the environment. And that can be things like dog and cat dander um, or things in the air. Um, and when you look at the number of people that are affected by allergies, it's pretty staggering. It's 50 million people in the U.S., and that's about 30% of adults and 40% of children. So uh, one in every two people that you see or one in every three adults is affected by allergies, particularly during this, uh, this season where pollen counts are high. Uh, if it, the, uh, the chance of getting allergies greatly depends on how allergic your parents are to things. So if you've only got one parent that's allergic uh, to something, your chance of developing allergies is one in three. Uh, but if both of your parents have allergies, uh, your chances are 70% that you're going to have some kind of allergy as well. And so my wife and, and I didn't help my kiddo uh, in that respect any. I'm, I'm a little bit allergic to cats and um, I think some grasses as well. Uh, allergies have been increasing um, steadily in the U.S. for the past 50 years. And so I didn't get a, uh, a chance to dive into the source on that, but... You know, some people have links to global warming, um, to industrialization, to our diets. And so if anybody's got any information about that, I would be really curious to, to learn more about that. Um, the percentage of the U.S. that tests positive for at least one allergen is 55%. So um, the majority of people have one in one capacity or another. Uh, and when you start looking at it along gender and racial lines, it, <clears throat> it gets pretty interesting as well. So females are ever so slightly more likely to have food allergies than males. And um, non-Hispanic white children have the highest percentage of reported food allergies. 
Um, and then second is non-Hispanic blacks, and then third is Hispanic children. Um, so again, I don't really know a reason for the ethnic breakdown of, of those numbers, but that was just what some of the statistics showed. And um, So that's who's affected. Now let's look at the seriousness of the issue. So like I said earlier, some uh, reactions can be mild, but some can be lethal enforcers. Um, the most common triggers for anaphylaxis, which is a life-threatening reaction, are medicine, food, and insect stings. And medicines cause the most allergy-related deaths. I think in the U.S. I saw it was about 400 people a year uh, die from uh, reactions to penicillin. African Americans and the elderly have the most deadly reactions to medicines, um, food, or unknown allergens. Uh, and another interesting one along um, some ethnic lines is deadly reactions to venom are higher in older white men. And that's not only venom from like the... Uh, the uh, sting of a snake or something like that. It's also insect stings. And deadly drug reactions have been increasing over the years. So just like normal reactions, the, um, the, uh, the, the deadly reactions have, have risen as well. And the cost of allergies is definitely not cheap. Uh, it was estimated in 2010, uh, Americans spent about $17.5 billion on um, environment-related allergies. And if you total up how many days of work and school are, uh, are lost each year due to allergies, it's about 6 million work and school days combined. And that results in about 16 million visits to a doctor. So the, the numbers are just staggering to me. I've been lucky that, like I said, I've had some allergies to cats and, and grass, but it's all been really minor. Um, it never affected me being able to go outside or play when I was a kid, and, and even now I get to do pretty much whatever I want. But now that I have someone in my family that's so that has such strong reactions to it, it's uh, it's been very eye-opening to see how much it can affect someone's life. And there's estimates that food allergies cost about 25 billion dollars each year. Um, and so we've talked a lot about who's affected and how serious it can be, but the, the one that affects most people right now is hay fever, and the uh, medical term for that is allergic rhinitis. And so if you look worldwide, that affects between 10 and 30% of the population. So it's much more than just a U.S.-based problem, um, and I mean, that number's pretty significant if you think of 1 in 10 people being affected every year um, by hay fever. About 8% of adults get it, and uh, global warming may have added four weeks to pollen season in the last 10 to 15 years. So if you look at the show notes, um, there's a pretty interesting graph that shows the, the growth trend in ragweed pollen counts over the last 15 years. And you can see that it's been increasing quite significantly since that time. Some other graphs that I pulled down from pollen.com, which is a great website that you can go to to get daily pollen counts by your location. Um, you can get breakdowns of the top allergens and history of counts. Uh, so I took a look in Dallas, Texas, and unfortunately, when you look at a map, um, the southwestern part of the United States, so like Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, um, is just a belt of bright red during this time, which is the most severe allergies. And it gets a little bit less severe the further north that you go. Um, looking at Dallas around this time, um, there the count was around 10 to 11 uh, for pollen count, and the top allergens were oak, maple, and hackberry. And when you look at a trend of the last 30 days, there have been maybe three or four days where we're in the 
medium high category, but every other day has been extremely high. So that's why when you see someone that looks like they've been crying just to get to work uh, and, and they say they have allergies, it can be a really significant impact on, on those types of folks. Another thing that I dove into a little bit is uh, the connection between allergies and eczema. So if you don't know what eczema is, um, it's a skin condition that can flare up and um, it can get itchy, um, it can cause bumps or rough patches of skin, and if you scratch it, it can, uh, it, can, it can open and be really painful. And that can flare up when you have allergies. And there seems to be a link between eczema and allergies, but there's no definite cause. It kind of bubbles down to three things. Um, children with eczema are more likely to have food allergies to things like eggs, nuts, or milk. So lucky me, that, that um, is something that m my child is affected by, unfortunately. And the three things that they've traced um, that, that play some kind of role in this connection are genes, how the body reacts to allergens, and too many antibodies. So with your genes, there's a gene flaw that can cause a lack of a, a protein called filigrin um, that weakens the skin barrier and makes it easier for allergens to get into the body. And then people with eczema have small gaps in their skin that make it dry out quickly and let germs and allergens get into the body. And these allergens can cause inflammation that then lead to eczema. And third, um, with too, too many antibodies, people with eczema have above average levels of immunoglobulin, um, which is a type of antibody that plays a role in the body's allergic response. So again, these three components affect people differently, but they all seem related and they all seem... Um, to be key drivers in making um, hay fever um, worse this time of year. So if you're like my daughter or uh, the many other people out there that are suffering from hay fever, what are some ways that you can try to avoid it? Um, some of them are uh, pretty simple, but they require you know some dedication and maybe a little bit of uh, planning to be able to do them on a daily basis. Um, first is reduce your stress. Those with less stress have milder symptoms and exercise more. Uh, studies found that people that exercise have the mildest symptoms and that can also reduce your stress. Uh, but you wanna make sure that you don't exercise outdoors when the pollen count is high. That's mainly in the early mornings and the early evening, but better yet, exercise indoor if your symptoms are severe. The third one is something that uh, is pretty much a, a panacea for anything that, that ails you, it's eating well. Um, so healthy diets uh, also lead to milder symptoms. But you do need to watch out because there are certain foods that can make symptoms worse for certain people. Apples, tomatoes, melons, bananas, celery, these have all been linked to making hay fever symptoms a little bit more severe. So if you are affected and you're eating those, you might try to cut them out and see if that helps. Um, foods rich in omega-3 and omega-6 essential fats, um, which is like oily fish, nuts, seeds, and oils, those are all good because they have anti-inflammatory properties. Um, cutting down on alcohol is a good thing because beer, wine, and spirits contain histamine, which is a chemical that sets off your allergy symptoms in your body. And alcohol also dehydrates you, which can make your symptoms seem worse. Um, get a good night's sleep. Those that have that have the mildest symptoms. And they found that people that get seven hours of sleep or more um, report less symptoms than those that get five hours of sleep or less. So do yourself a favor. Get a good night's sleep. And then lastly... Um, get pricked. Um, immunotherapy, which is allergy shots, can help reduce fever symptoms in about 85% of the people with hay fever. So reduce your stress, get more exercise, eat healthy, cut down on the alcohol, sleep well, 
And if none of that works, look into allergy shots. Um, so these are all tips uh, of how you can reduce the symptoms of hay fever. And what I've been focused on up to this point has mostly been the seasonal allergies that a lot of people are affected by during this time of the year. Um, but I did take a look at some of the other allergies that are out there. Um, there's a few different types, and we'll talk about those now. Um, the first is skin allergies, and that can be um, skin inflammation, eczema, hives, contact allergies, and things that cause these are plants like poison ivy, poison oak, poison sumac. Those are the most common ones, but some people can actually uh, be allergic to cockroaches and dust mites, certain foods, and latex. So when your skin comes in contact with those, um, it can cause an allergic reaction. In 2012, there were about 9 million kids that had skin allergies, and kids under the age of 4 are the most likely uh, to get skin allergies. And so, uh, you know, that's just kind of goes along with the old saying that kids have more sensitive skin um, and they haven't been exposed to as many things. Um, and then the, and also uh, a study found that African-American kids in the U.S. were more likely to have skin allergies um, than, than Caucasian children. Um, so again, there's, there seems to be some differences along um, racial lines, but uh, again, I'm just telling you what the studies show, no, no real uh, background on that. Um, and then another one is the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that can literally be to die for. Um, so this is all about food allergies. Um, children have food allergies more often than adults, and there are eight foods that cause the most food allergies. Do you know what they are? Anyone? Anyone? I'm sure everyone gets peanuts, um, but they're actually milk, soy, eggs, wheat, peanuts, tree nuts, fish, and shellfish. So these are all of the, uh, all of the ones that um, can cause the most food reactions. Um, a couple interesting statistics I found were people in the U.S. that believe they have a food allergy is about 15%. People that actually have a food allergy is about 3 to 4%. Um, so almost four times as many people, three, uh, f four to five times as many people think they have an allergy as actually do. Peanuts the most common, milk is second, shellfish is third. Um, about 8% of kids have food allergies. If your child is allergic to foods, almost 40% of them have a history of severe reactions, and just about one in three are allergic to multiple foods. Um, so if you do have a kid that's had a reaction to one, it may be worth going out there and getting them tested uh, to see if there are others that they, um, they have issues with too, so you can watch out for all of those, especially when you start looking at ingredients for things like marinades and, um, and processed foods that can have several of these components in them. So outside of skin and food, um, you've also got bad medicine, um, like the Bon Jovi song. Uh, there are drug allergies. And so I, I talked about this just a, a hint earlier, but penicillin is the most common allergy trigger for those with drug allergies. Uh, up to 10% of people report being allergic to this common antibiotic, and it kills, uh, like I said earlier, about 400 people a year. Uh, and bad drug reactions can affect up to 10% of the world's population and up to 20% of all hospital patients. So um, when you're in the hospital, if you have to go in for any reason, um, be very mindful of any allergies that you have. Uh, be sure to report those and, um, and be on the lookout for reactions that you may have if you're, if you're on some kind of um, drug treatment as you're in there. 
Um, speaking of hospitals, there's no love for gloves here either. Um, latex allergies are a relatively serious uh, issue for about one percent of the population. So that's you know right around three to four million people. Uh, an interesting st statistic around latex allergies is one percent of people in the U.S. have the allergy, but about eight to twelve percent of healthcare workers will get the allergy. So there's something about being involved in healthcare that can actually make you more allergic to it as time goes on. And there are about 220 cases of anaphylaxis and three deaths per year due to latex allergy. So be mindful of that. Watch your kids when they're at the hospital grabbing for gloves. And, uh, and if you or someone else has that, be aware that it can definitely cause some severe reactions. So outside of uh, the hospital, when you're running around being a crazy kid, Another thing that you're going to encounter during this time of year is bugs. Um, so people that have insect allergies are often allergic to bee and wasp stings and poisonous ant bites. Uh, like I said earlier, cockroaches and dust mites are some of the more rare ones, but they can cause issues as well. Um, issues, insect sting allergies affect about 5% of the population, so 1 in 20 people. Uh, and about 40 deaths occur each year due to insect sting reactions. An interesting statistic about bugs is if you're an adult and you have a reaction, you're four times more likely to die than you are if you have a reaction when you're a kid. So basically, if, if that allergy persists into your adulthood, it's a, um, it has a much more serious impact on you. And so you need to be mindful of that and you know, keep an EpiPen around um, whenever you're doing things outdoors. Another interesting stat for those who uh, do experience allergic reactions to insect bites is venom immunotherapy is 97% effective in preventing sting reactions in sensitive patients. Um, so this would be one where I would highly recommend that you go and, and look at that course of treatment and be prepared for that. So this has been uh, a lot of statistics thrown at you in a pretty quick amount of time um, for allergies, but the key point to remember here is um, the biggest times for like hay fever and seasonal allergies are in the spring and in the fall. Um, right now, it's best to you know avoid going outside if you have serious reactions. Do those things that I mentioned um, to reduce your chance of hay fever. Be mindful of it for yourselves and your loved ones. And uh, you know overall, just be safe and be aware that there's a lot of different things that can can affect you and. So that's going to wrap things up for this episode. Uh, the theme music for this episode is Data Groove by GoTo80. Uh, I've got a link to that uh, that you can check out on, uh, on the show notes. Uh, and like I said, I've got sources for all these statistics. Uh, I've got some of the, the graphs and maps that I talked about for uh, the, the pollen.com allergy counts in the Dallas area. Uh, so please go to the website, take a look at that. Uh, one other uh, great announcement that I have is uh, we're going to start sending out, we've actually been sending out for a few weeks now, um, data diaries, which are weekly uh, collections of some of the most interesting stories from around the web that are related to data um, that we find interesting. So go to fortheloveofdata.com and you can sign up in the upper right hand corner uh, to put your name on the list and you'll start getting plugged into those diary entries. Um, you'll get my deepest, darkest diary thoughts on a weekly basis. Uh, while you're there, please leave a comment on the show notes and let me know what you like, what you dislike, what you disagree with. Um, if there's a particular topic that you're interested in hearing about, let me know that. You can always reach me 
on Twitter at Love of Data or at Robert Fur. And this is going to wrap things up for episode 14 for the love of allergies. Until next time, be safe and we'll talk soon. <laughs>